Hello, and welcome to Shocking, Lurid, Tawdry, A History of American Scandal. I'm your host, Casey Howe. And I'm your host, Mark Pikert, and we're digging deep through the graveyard of old stories to tell you all the enticing tales about people you never knew you cared about. <laughs> and hopefully by the end of the episode, you either care or at least you know a little fun fact. You know what? I don't have to care. I just need to know that I don't need to care. There you go. That's true. You never need to care with me, Mark. Uh, you know what? And that's why we've been friends for going on a decade. <laughs> if you want to hear something okay. depressing, uh, it's been almost 10 years. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I believe it. I believe it. Oh. And we look great. We do. You would never know yeah. if you looked at us. You know. mm -hmm. uh -uh. No. <laughs> uh, so I've got kind of a good one today. Okay, this I'm is very take, excited. This is take, this is take two. Uh, yeah. You may have previously heard that uh, I could, didn't get it together to do it previously. <laughs> uh, I blame my recumbent posture on my inability to form coherent sentences or <laughs> speak in complete thoughts. But that's that's but why I'm, we moved locations. So there you go. I'm, now I'm upright, I had a few <laughs> spoonfuls of pasta salad to carbo-load, and I'm ready to tell you about Geraldo Rivera. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Now, I'm still just as excited as when you said it the first time. Now, there are two things that I want to talk about with Geraldo Rivera. And the okay. first one is the infamous 1986 TV special, Two Hours Live, that he hosted called The Mystery of Al Capone's Vault. Oh my gosh. And the, it was such a hooky sell because they discovered this basically basement room in the Lexington, in the Lexington Hotel in Chicago that had been filled with cement. And they figured out that it was Al Capone's vault. And at some point they had filled it in and no one knows what's in. So the a producer reads a story and is like, this could make a really cool special. And it had been done before. The Andrea Doria, the boat that sank, the luxury liner that sank. Oh, they okay. Found a, they found a safe there that was filled with water. And it was kind of a bust, but everyone's like, there was an oral history about this on Mental Floss a few years ago. And someone described the producers as eternal optimists. Because as they start putting this together with Tribune Network and they eventually hire Geraldo Rivera after they realize that they do not want Robert Stack to host, they wanted an actual newsman because Robert Stack was the initial choice having played Elliot Ness on The Untouchables. So they thought that that would be some fun synergy. But then they quickly realized that this was going to be live and they needed someone who could think on his feet. Yes, that's a different Geraldo, skill set. <laughs> Geraldo had proven himself capable of thinking on his feet. So they're putting this together and as things progress and Geraldo is taping bits about Al Capone and interviewing people who are alive during the era, era or knew him, they just start, it's like a game of Jenga where they're like, well, what if there's money there? Well, what if there's dead bodies there? <laughs> what if there's an automobile there? And the, oh my gosh. There's, there was like a historian, a Chicago historian who was kind of helping them. And he was like, guys, it's a basement under a sidewalk. It was just storage. 
Like, <laughs> it's, it's just a sidewalk vault. It was very common in Chicago. It's really not going to be anything, I guarantee. And they're like, no, 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 this is gonna be huge. What if there's a torture chamber? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's they so it's like the number, the list of things that they conjured up based on nothing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But you know, two they, hours is a long time to fill. So you gotta, I mean, you gotta get a lot of content. I'm just saying. So this is, this is a very famous, spoiler alert, dud. What was in it? Uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. Okay, okay. But the production is just breathless. They hire a psychic to come and she's like, I see Al Capone sitting under glass and laughing, laughing, laughing. And oh they're like, okay, name. lady, this is why we tried to get Jean Dixon, but she was unavailable. So we settled for you. And then later they found out that over the street on Lexington Avenue, there had been a greenhouse. Okay. And so theoretically, Al Capone could have been sitting oh, under, under glass. glass. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. So she wasn't, you know, so far off. So at this point in Geraldo's career, he had just been fired from ABC because a colleague had worked on a story linking JFK with Marilyn Monroe. And ABC said, we'll never touch anything that sordid. How dare you? We're killing this story. And Geraldo said, well, it's like, it's news. the work is there. It's a story. Yeah. It's news. Why are you doing this? And they said, you know what? We've had enough of your lip. And the mustache on top of it, Geraldo. You're <laughs> gone. Beat it. So he's oh reeling. It was a okay. huge professional embarrassment. And also, Geraldo Rivera has never really been someone people root for. Okay, right. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. a little He's a little too aggressive. He's a little too macho. He's a little too self-aggrandizing. So a lot of people were very gleeful that this happened to him. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of at a crossroads and okay. his agent brings him the offer against his instincts and says, they're offering you $25,000 to host a live special where you open Al Capone's vault. And Geraldo said, get them to 50 and I'll do it. <laughs> so he did and he did. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you hear we're gonna open Al Capone, we're gonna go into Al Capone's vault, you were probably picturing a lot of things. What you were probably not picturing is that they were so concerned about security, they padlocked Geraldo into the hotel so that no one could get in. What? They did uh, basically a sonogram to make sure that there was an empty space to see if they could discern any shapes and they couldn't. And they actually had to dynamite the cement and then send in little trucks to like sc scoop out the cement back it up, dump it somewhere. They're literally renovating on live television. Oh my gosh. So the two hours, which by the way, is available to watch on YouTube. Of course it is. The two hours is partly Geraldo live on the scene as they're doing all of this. And is partly pre-taped interviews explaining the history and gangsters and all of that. By the time it ends, Geraldo calls it after they found a handful of empty liquor bottles Oops. and that's it. And the end, Geraldo blows like an air horn to cease the construction workers from continuing to dynamite and excavate. And then awkward, they have like 15 seconds to fill and awkwardly <laughs> no. sings part of Chicago, like 
Chicago, Chicago, that wonderful town. Oh, Awkwardly sing some of that and then just walks away. Oh, that sounds painful. It's so sad to watch. And he, they all left and he went and got very drunk because he thought, oh my God, that I've just destroyed my career. Oh my God. And he, he woke up and the ratings were insane. No. Something like if you got a two share in New York, you were doing great. And they got like a 12. <gasps> so it was a hit. Oh, oh it was a gosh. huge hit. And on the West Coast, the news had already leaked that because it was on a delay in the West Coast. And right. everyone already knew that there was nothing in it. And they still watched. Oh, my gosh. Thirsty. And ballpark, like what, what year are we talking? 86. 86. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if it was the 80s or 90s. Okay, okay. So oh my because of that, because of that and the relationship with Tribune, the production company, that set Geraldo up with his talk show. Oh, okay. And Geraldo's, the whole bent of Geraldo's talk show was, came mostly from him, where he was really trying to compete with Oprah and Donahue for viewers because those were the two main competitors. And so he did create like Bad Girls Week. Right. One of one of those episodes was Women Who Fake Orgasms. Right. It's a little like, wasn't he like, he's kind of like the first Jerry Springer a little bit, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. He invented because that genre essentially. He, he did a skinheads episode where he actually got into a brawl with skinheads on set they broke his nose oh my no yes <laughs> uh, remember when Geraldo wasn't a racist that was, that was fun uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no but all of this is detailed in the true scandal all of this is prelude because I love that story it's so outrageous that's great uh that you base a two-hour special without knowing what it is. And Al Capone's family was like, can you let us know what's in there? And they said, no, we're not, no, it's a live surprise. The IRS sent someone there in case there was money because there was still a lien on Al Capone's (laughs) finances and they were prepared to confiscate any money that they found. Like when I tell you that this was a huge national obsession, I am not exaggerating. The oh goddamn IRS took it seriously enough to be like, oh, you know what? We better make sure that we're there to get that money. We've been waiting nigh on 50 years for it. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So all of this is detailed in, very detailed, in Geraldo Rivera's best-selling 1992 memoir, Exposing Myself. Which is hysterical. One, hang on, uh, one thing. I have to check. I guess I didn't send this to you. I am pretty sure it was Capone. Um, no, Sam Giancana. Never mind. There's a um, uh, cigar bar in New Jersey that we like to frequent, and um, they have supposedly the original. Um, death certificate from Sam Giancana. <laughs> oh. I was going to send it to you, but then um, I forgot. So um, now well, I'll that's tell okay. you about it. 
anyway, so when you said that, I was like, wait, is that the death certificate I'm supposed to? Or it's like the autopsy, you know, when they tell you like cause of death and stuff. Um, oh, anyway, yes. Moving on. Um, but yes, okay. So exposing myself, which is. So a, a great title for a memoir, mm -hmm. especially this memoir, because when I tell you that one of the photos that he's included is a photo of himself from some distance drinking a cup of coffee on the front porch, standing in slippers, completely naked with what looks like a straw hat covering his genitals. Oh my gosh, and show me. The, ca the <laughs> caption is, caught by surprise having coffee at rough point, 1990. And I mean, body be banging. Oh my gosh. But also, <laughs> this should give you everything that you need to know about how Geraldo Rivera sees himself and positions himself in the media. Yeah, right. So exposing myself comes out and is immediately explosive. Not because of his work, like his pioneering efforts with documentaries where he exposed the corruption and the patient abuse at Willowbrook, which was uh, an asylum for mm -hmm. uh, learning disabled children not for getting an interview with Charlie Manson in the 80s. Right, yeah. Not for any of these things, but because he cannot stop himself from writing about every woman he had sex with. <gasps> and naming them. No. So I don't know if this is to his credit or just another strike against him. He only names them if they're famous. Classic. So sure. the story about the two co-eds who worked for him, who he only had sex with together in the boiler room of the office. Interesting choice. I don't know if that would be my first choice for sex as far as a room. Well, it was, it was warm and isolated and cozy and there was just a chair so they had to get creative. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> oh, Casey, the whole thing is like that. It's just so... Out, we're so not used to people writing a, writing like this anymore because now yeah. everyone is so media trained and also everyone is just a little bit smarter about hey maybe don't tell a story about sleeping with employees that's not a great look <laughs> and whatever the reality of that situation right. was yeah you're still their boss yeah yeah. And if you want to be taken seriously as a journalist which maybe you don't anymore uh, I will say all of the proceeds went to his uh, charity. Okay. So he, got he did that, not make right? any money on the book. Okay. Uh, but here, here's a great example of what a horny bastard Geraldo is. <laughs> this is the least egregious. Okay. <laughs> uh, so on page 191 of the paperback edition, for those reading along at home, <laughs> he is at a he is at a party uh, in the Lower East in his apartment in the Lower East Side, and Mick Jagger and Rudolf Nureyev are dancing. Uh, suddenly, someone snuggled up behind me. I felt an arm around my waist, and I made a kind of half pivot to see who it was. It was Nureyev, and he was moving in time to the music, pressing himself against me from behind. He was playfully suggestive, overtly sexual, and before I even had a chance to think how to respond. Jagger approached me from the front and started doing the same thing. They were kidding and giddy, but there was also something seriously competitive going on between them. Nureyev said over my shoulder to Jagger, he's a virgin, you know. 
And then they laughed and Jagger joked, oh, well, we can break him in. The two of them continued in this way for probably only half a minute at most. Nuryev made a joke out of running his fingers through my long hair. To his credit, he says, uh, I hate to disappoint, but nothing happened beyond the playful exchange in my kitchen. But if I was ever going to have a homosexual experience, it would have been that night with Rudolf Nureyev and Mick Jagger. No shit. <laughs> I feel like if anyone's going to have a homosexual experience, it would be with yeah. the two of them when presented. <laughs> yes, please. And he also says, underneath their silliness, they were making a play. And underneath my initial shock and discomfort, there was a spark of attraction. Oh my gosh. So he's like, I don't know. Could have been into it. <laughs> yeah. So the book comes out. Uh, oh the New York gosh. Post, I believe, does a cover story on the book. Wow. And they list all of the women that he <gasps> wrote about, including uh, Judy Collins, who he only wrote about as, about as a friend. Okay. But it's a game of telephone. So if right. somebody writes something that indicates that he had an affair with Judy Collins, uh, then someone else reads that and doesn't parse it correctly right. and goes, oh, well, he screwed Judy Collins. And now he's like talking about his sex life with Judy Collins. Uh, he does He does not sleep with Judy Collins in the book. Uh, he does talk about how nobody re really remembers, but she used to be wild. She'd hang out with Janice Joplin and they'd drink <laughs> themselves to sleep. Judy once told me that she suffered from the Irish sadness, which I took to mean her penchant for whiskey. <laughs> but... The thing that really, the thing that really bites him in the ass is what he writes about Bette Midler. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm going to read you this excerpt, and okay. then we'll talk about the decades-long fallout Ooh. of what he writes here. Uh, he goes to Bette Midler's apartment to interview her. Uh, I was surprised at how small she was. She had great tits and a personality to match. The rest of her was tiny. We were in the bathroom preparing for the interview. And at some point I put my hand on her breasts. She loved it. And we fell into a passionate embrace, which segued immediately into a brief and toward affair. Now, please remember you were writing about a living person who was still very much in the public eye. Yeah. I'm no, I'm not done. Oh, that was God. preface. Bet had an enormous sexual appetite in those days. She went on tour a week later and asked me to join her. Of course, I was still married to Edie, but I cooked up some lie and joined Bet backstage in Oklahoma City. We made love right after the show, and then she took a bath. Then, and then she wanted to make love again. She was insatiable. The next morning, her band flew out to Tulsa, and we decided to drive, and I remember stopping at least once in the middle of the Oklahoma desert in a compact rental car and making love on the road. After the Tulsa show, I finally said, you're exhausting me, honey. And so she ended the relationship because I couldn't keep up with her. Ben is now a happily married parent and a socially conservative person, but back then she was wild and hungry and one of the few women who were just too much for me to handle. Oh my gosh. <gasps> yes. That's just not, like, you just can't air, like, you can't air that like you can't air that laundry unless everybody is i'd like everyone to please sign off on this 
So shortly after the book came out, Bet was Bet starred in the movie For the Boys, and she was doing a press tour, and she had a big one-on-one with Barbara Walters, and this clip made the rounds again after the Me Too after Geraldo Rivera defended Matt Lauer, and oh somebody gosh, unearthed right. this clip of Bette Midler saying that Geraldo and his producer shoved her into a bathroom, uh, forced poppers under her nose, made her <gasps> inhale, and and groped her. No, that was the real story. That was that's her version of the story. Okay, <gasps> uh, that's wildly different. And so, when the when the memoir came out in paperback, he wrote a postscript addressing all of the controversy that had erupted. Oh no! Uh, oh, and, and he also mentioned uh, Margaret Trudeau blowing him in a boat in Central Park. No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and. Uh, when her PR person branded his allegations scurrilous, the product of an overheated imagination, Geraldo claims in his postscript, I wrote in my notebook, she was not the one I expected. I don't know if I can win this one. The very act of a man naming a woman seems, in retrospect, so wretchedly seedy. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I did that, but... mm. Maybe I wouldn't now, but I'm also not going to change anything in the book. So, okay. So he was hurt and shocked by the intensity of people's reactions to this book. Uh, He writes about the Bette Midler, Barbara Walters interview uh, and says, although she also suggested in that interview that she was aware of the possible publicity bonanza her charges could yield for her upcoming movie, that was buried by the lead. Oh, okay. This also, that interview aired a month after Anita Hill. (gasps) Oh, God. Yeah, and he says, writing the wave of feminist sympathy created a month earlier by the Senate's crude attacks on Anita Hill. No, he does not. Bet had managed to portray herself as a victim of my villainy. No, he didn't. The next paragraph, he says, for the next few days, I was fighting for my professional life. My partners at the Tribune Company are, as I've described them, a conservative bunch. They don't like controversy, especially when it involves charges like rape and drugs. Uh, and then yeah, he, you Brad, sleeping like, your way around town and cheating on your wife, they're totally fine with. Don't worry about that. Yes. Yes. So the whole Barbara Walters thing airs and he writes to Barbara Walters and says, you know, I didn't smear you because when I refused to put the author of the unauthorized biography of you on the air and Barbara Walters wrote back and said, uh, don't blame me for your embarrassment. You wrote the book. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I also, I mean, this is so shocking to include in the book in the paperback version of the book because he actually says oh uh i'm sorry i ever wrote exposing myself perhaps that is a shocking admission but it is the truth its publication caused personal and professional upheavals that i should have anticipated but obviously did not okay so maybe don't release the paperback 
don't know. Uh, yes. Maybe stop. And then, <laughs> I mean, he's just like talking about his, he interviewed his wife. Well, he had, had a weekly newspaper. He had a weekly newspaper and interviewed his wife about the book. And she was like, I wish you hadn't written it. <laughs> I mean, fl- yeah. Flat out, she said, uh, he, are you sorry? Are you sorry I wrote the book? Yes, I am sorry. I never liked the idea of everyone knowing our dirty laundry. The reaction has not been favorable. And who needs the anxiety? <laughs> well put. Yeah. So all of this, as these things, as we are learning, as we talk about this, uh, I will say there was a really good uh, uh, Kevin Nealon joke on uh, Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update. After cross-referencing Geraldo's book and Wilt Chamberlain's book, it was discovered that the two men had unknowingly slept with one another at least 10,000 times. <laughs> so he kind of, he kind of like helps it blow over by doing Donahue with his wife who stands by her man and like talks about all of the, all these things happened before they were together for a lot of it, but they were not married, which I guess is fine. Sure. So all of this just kind of fades away, fades out of memory until it comes back when he defends Matt Lauer. Oh, and I also should say right. the book comes out and he's, uh, you know, he's being demonized by the press. Uh, and then he's, asked to, then he's asked to star on Perry Mason as a macho talk show host author who gets murdered for his literary and off-screen excesses. And he does it. <laughs> if only. So... I guess he made money on that that didn't go to his charity. Oh my gosh. So all of this blows over and it's kind of forgotten because who can keep this much Geraldo Rivera in their minds for 20 years until the clip recirculates on Twitter and then Bette Midler retweets it. Oh, good job, Bette. <laughs> and is like, I never received an apology. And Geraldo Rivera does apologize still refutes her version of events and says but she has the right to say whatever whatever she wants basically sure and then that and now he's a fox news correspondent or was at the time yeah saying like but well matt lauer news is a flirty business like i'm worried about this was that his defense of matt lauer that like news is a flirty business or whatever like that just happens in the news and that's how news works uh, yes, he was worried that uh, the Me Too movement was going to, quote, criminalize courtship. <laughs> okay, well, we need to define what courtship is for, yes, Geraldo. Well, I think, by court- I, think by, I think by courtship, he means a threesome with two underlings in a boiler room. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing says romance like that. Oh my gosh. Also, let's be honest. Matt Lauer and all those hosts are not journalists. They're just talkers. Like, they don't do journalism. Whatever. Anyway, Matt Lauer hasn't actually reported on anything in 40 years. (laughs) But he travels the world nicely and he can host the hell out of a parade. Uh, Can you, so you know what, is, you know what that whole, that whole side scandal, which I'm sure you'll cover at some point, but that whole side scandal just 
now, like every time I think about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, I just think about like all that laughter and banter with his co-host and like the amount of rage those women just had to swallow. And I'm yeah. just like, I was like, oh, right. That laughter is like, <laughs> I'm going to try not to murder you. Yes. Well, that's also something in the postscript for though, right? exposing. Like, yeah. Yes, because he's like, you know, I found a photo of me with Bette Midler where we are uh, arms around each other smiling. So how yeah. could it be rape? And you're like, well, you're both famous people and somebody was probably like, hey, let me get a picture. What are you? Yeah. Uh, yes. What are you going to be like? Um, I hate you. Like. And I don't think that Bette has ever said, Bette never said that he raped her. Mm-hmm. She said that he groped her mm-hmm. and uh, it's, she never says it outright, but in the Barbara Walters interview, she's telling the story and she said, and a friend of mine said, well, what a charmer. No wonder you slept with him. Oh my God. So I think okay. it seems like she also acknowledged that they had an affair, but that does not sure. detract from the fact that in that moment, he behaved inappropriately with someone right. else. Right her version of the story as always sure. we, do, we weren't sure. there we weren't there we weren't there i was there we, with judy collins and janice joplin and let me tell you <laughs> uh to quote judy garland saying good night to elaine stritch i never thought i'd say this elaine but good night <laughs> oh oh my gosh those two i love how he's like she was crazy she used to hang out with janice joplin and you're like i'm sorry what does that yeah. even mean <laughs> Outrageous. Oh, Outrageous. she was wild. Two ladies hanging together without a fella? Whatever will we do? <laughs> Drinking? Uh, well, he w- I mean, he wasn't there. He would have happily filled in. I, I, could, I probably, that's probably why he was so uh, upset about it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> found a boiler room and just escorted those two gals right down to pound town. Oh my gosh but yeah you can't that was and to say that you regret it in post is like oh come on yeah in the oh, new edition on. yeah oh come on then so make up names like that's so simple that's not new like also you ugh. do not have to say anything that you said about Bette Midler no none of Absolutely that not. You don't have to. Inf- you don't have to hint that she's a nympho. You don't oh. have to talk about her tits. Yeah. You can just say like, "It was a wild time." Uh, Bette Midler and I ran around together and had a really sure. good time together. Boop. Done. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But he his his defense was he wanted to write a book about himself that told the whole truth, and he did not take it one step further and say, "But." I don't have to tell the whole truth about everyone in my life. Right, right. I can tell the truth about me without bringing all these other people along. Yes, but he didn't. Yeah, no, he did not. I think that that was kind of the beginning of the end for him. I mean, it was, the postscript is a wild read because he's, there's just this internal conflict between defending himself and also acknowledging that he really fucked up <laughs> and trying to understand that in his like very macho. And I think that he grew up very 
uh, scrawny. Mm. So there's also this whole self-image thing and overcompensating. I think, I mean, just to play armchair psychologist for sure. a moment. I love it. Uh, but yeah, so that is Geraldo oh Rivera, uh, The Mystery of no... Al Capone's Vaults, <laughs> and Exposing Myself. Oh my gosh, I love it. That's such a good one. I had no idea. I had no idea about the whole Al Capone's Vault thing, too. And then, Isn't that, um, I mean, we, yeah. we will absolutely have to like sit and stare at it for <laughs> an hour and a half or whatever it is without commercials. Because I can't imagine, I skipped ahead to the end because I just mm -hmm. thought I have got to see how he wraps this up. And I mean, they they didn't give up. They kept looking for four days. Oh my God, four days? Yeah, they were just like, wow. well, we're out of time. So we got to wrap it up. But they really kept they going. Kept digging. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's funny. Just, and yeah, Imagine how disappointed wild. that IRS man was. Oh, no. That's oh the real gosh. tragedy. That is the real tragedy. The poor IRS agent. He's like, yeah. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> no. Padlocked into a hotel with Geraldo Rivera. I hope it was a man. <laughs> oh, gosh. No kidding. Oh. oh. Did they hire women at the IRS in the 80s? I don't know. No, I think maybe for show. <laughs> Did we have women in government then? I don't think so. I don't know. But we're, women were still making homes. That's true. That's true. If I learned anything from Mrs. America. 